Hey, this is Caleb Cole, pastor of Project Church in Sacramento. And man, I am so excited for you to hear this word. I believe God is going to encourage you, strengthen you, and challenge you through it. So get ready to receive from God today. Good morning, Project Church. How we doing? All right. It's uh, officially the Christmas season. Do I have any Christmas lovers in here today? It's not, a, it's not a popular opinion, but I always say that I view Thanksgiving as a speed bump to Christmas. So we are officially in the best season of the year. Um, but hey, if you don't know who I am, my name is Sam. I'm the youth pastor here at Project Church, and I'm excited to be sharing this morning what God's put on my heart. Uh, we're in a new series today called Christmas List, uh, which we've been going over the four names uh, that, that Isaiah the prophet gave uh, the coming Messiah, Jesus, which um, Pastor Chrissy preached in a phenomenal message. Were you here last week for Pastor Chrissy's message? Uh, wonderful counselor was amazing. Um, today I'm preaching on, on the, the name Mighty God, and next week we'll be Pastor Caleb back here preaching on Everlasting Father. Um, but I wanted to start off by reading some scriptures. Does anybody love the Bible in here? Well, let's start by reading the Bible. Let's start. It's, a, it's our new house tradition. Can we stand for the reading of God's word? Uh, we're going to open up out of Isaiah chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 6 and 7. Actually, you know, let's stick with 6. Isaiah chapter 6. It says this. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. Of, his, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. Somebody say, there will be no end. There will be no end. That's good news for us today. Um, talking about this um, name of, of God being mighty God. I wanna read a scripture to you that I feel like the Lord brought me to. It is the first miracle written and recorded in the New Testament, and it is not that of Mary and, and Joseph, but it's one of Zachariah and Elizabeth. And it says this in Luke chapter one. If you don't have your Bible, you can follow along on the screen with us. It says this. And then the angel of the Lord appeared to Zechariah, standing at the right side of the altar of incense. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife, Elizabeth, will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He's never to take wine or other fermented drink. That means no mimosas, no wine, no you know occasional here or there. No drinks, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Zechariah responds to the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years as well. The angel responds, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. But now you'll be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. And when he, stayed, when he came out, he could not speak to them. They realized that Zechariah had seen a vision in the temple for he kept making signs to them, but was not able to speak. And when his time of service was completed, he returned home. After this, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and she was in seclusion for five months. And she said, the Lord has done this for me. In these days, he has shown his favor and taken away my disgrace from among the people. How many know that the good news of this season is not that Jesus came for some, but he came for all. 
And how many know that a testimony built on Jesus is not just good news for us, but it spreads great joy to everybody around. Do you believe that? And I believe that the series that we're in talking about Jesus and who he is, it is good joy and great joy for everybody. Today, there's a fresh start for you. Today, there's a God who fights for you and his name is mighty God. He is with you. He is for you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that he loves you? Do you believe that he has got good plans for you? Do you believe it? Come on, so if you believe it, can you give him some praise? Give him some honor? Come on, I believe that this is the house of worship. Hey, you can take a seat, but before you do, say hello to two neighbors next to you. Tell them they look good. Tell them their breath smells okay still. No more coffee breath. It's official. Uh, it is flannel season. Take a look around. There are flannels everywhere in here. Um, well, hey, there's, there's no better way to preach than having Christmas trees all around you. You can't go wrong with it. Um, just, just real quick, show of hands, real Christmas tree people in here. You get a real Christmas tree this time of year. Oh my, okay, hands down. Fake Christmas trees, put your hands up, okay. <laughs> Clearly, you're not in love with the smell of Christmas, but hey, some of us are. You gotta get the real smell of Christmas. Um, I'll say this, I'll say this. I, I really am a really like bought in on Christmas guy and I wouldn't say it's tradition how I grew up. Like I just really love Christmas um, and my wife found this out really early on when we got married. So um, I, I'll be honest, like the whitest thing I do is hunt for Christmas trees every year because of how I do it. So every year I go out and I don't go to a Christmas tree. You don't, you, don't, you don't see me at Apple Hill. You don't see me in these cute places taking pictures with the rest of the families, all right? I get a real tag. I don't know if you've ever done this. And I go into the national forest and I find a real Christmas tree. Have you ever done that before? Yeah, yeah. If you didn't know, well, there you go. It's only like $10. You save some money too. You go into the actual forest in Eldorado County. You can cut down your own Christmas tree. I remember the first year I went to do this, I had so much wonder. I'm like, we're going to find the greatest tree. It's like a Griswold family vacation. Like, it's going to be crazy. It's going to be great. And so we go out there first year, and my wife, she's the most wisdom-filled person. She's like, this is a bad idea. And I'm like, what gives that away? It's pouring snow. I'm in a two-wheel drive vehicle, but I'm like, it's going to be great. We're going to find the right Christmas tree. So we get out there about 15 minutes into the snow. Um, my car gets stuck. Okay. So she was already right. Bad idea, two-wheel drive vehicle. So we're stuck in the snow and we get out and she said, uh-uh, I told you this is a bad idea. I said, what gives that away? Look at the trees. They're beautiful. It's snowing. You can smell the Christmas tree. If you have a real one, you know what I'm talking about. You can smell it. And, um, she said, do you not, do you not hear that? I go, hear what? She, there was people using the national forest as a shooting range. There was bullets going around everywhere. You just hear them. I was checking myself every few minutes, like making sure I'm still good. And, um, you know, if you've ever actually done this and you go out in the forest and you find a real tree, um, I don't know if you found this, but they never look as good out there as they do in your house. I mean, they never look as good in your house as they do in the forest. Like they always look like the tree out there. And then you bring them home. And you're like, this thing's hideous. I go, why not pick this up? So actually I normally have like two to three trees and I just decided which one I'm going to use. That's how much I love Christmas. If you're wondering, and I did that year one, year two, year three. We did this for five years, same thing. Trees never looked as good in our house as they did out in the forest. So this year I showed up to the Christmas tree day Costco. Okay, I showed up to Costco. There's a man in the back of a giant truck and he said, hey, do you wanna see this one? It looks nice, it's all wrapped up, you can't see a thing. I had lost so much care about what the tree looks like because my expectations were so low. I said, no, nah, man, I trust you. Throw it on my car, how much do I owe you? And that was Christmas tree hunting for me this year. Um, but I was telling my wife, I was like, I don't know what happened. Like all the years, like this is our tradition. Like I loved finding a good Christmas tree. I don't know about you. Anybody love finding the perfect Christmas tree out there? Like it's gotta be the one, right? 
And year after year of, of not finding the tree that I love, year after year of it not looking the way that I wanted to, year after year, I think somewhere along the line, lines, I just kind of gave up wonder. I'm like, let's just get one that we know looks good. We're gonna pay a little bit more, but let's just get one that looks good. And as I was thinking about my Christmas tree shopping experience, I honestly felt like God was speaking to me and he's like, how many times have you done that in your faith? Where you started following Jesus with so much wonder, so much awe of how good he is, but somewhere along the lines, you've lost some of that wonder. I don't know if you can relate, like maybe you prayed for God to heal somebody in your family and it didn't happen the way that you thought it was going to and somewhere along the lines, you lost wonder in God because it did not happen the way you thought it was going to. Or maybe you prayed that he would send provision for your business and yet you had to close doors on your business or you prayed for your marriage and relationships and it didn't seem like that prayer was answered and somewhere along the lines, because of disappointments and setbacks, you lost some wonder in your faith. I don't know if you found yourself in a position where if you actually took a minute to take into account your faith journey, when you think about the possibility that there is in God, and you say, I don't know if I've, if I've got that faith, if I've got that wonder that I once had, where there used to be so much wonder, because here's the reality, the nature of God is that he's mighty, right? Like you can't sit anywhere in life and think about how big and great and awesome and faithful and loving God truly is and not have some wonder around it, can you? Right? Like we can't take into account God, the one who holds the universe in his hands, but yet he cares for you and for me and say, he's, he's not great. Like God is mighty and there's so much wonder that surrounds it. But I think that there are things in life that give detours to our wonder, where sometimes we lose some of that wonder that's built around him. And I will say this, I believe that the miracle of a mighty God is what wakes up our wonder. When we understand how big he is, when we understand how close he is, when we understand that the gift of Christmas was not that there'd be a faraway God, but one that walks with us and talks with us, that there'd be wonder that there is nothing that is impossible with God. Do you believe that? Like because of him, there is nothing we can wake up to and say it cannot happen. And this is what makes him mighty. mighty. That's what wakes up our wonder is acknowledging, God, you could do anything you want to. At the snap of your fingers, anything could change. Luke chapter one, as we were reading, there's a story about Zachariah and Elizabeth. And um, as I'm reading it, I, I'm, it hits me really quickly that it seems like Zachariah ha had lost some wonder in his own life. Let me give you a little recap because I didn't read the beginning parts of the scripture. It says this about Zachariah and Elizabeth. It said that they were both old in age, all right? So they were 92 and 88. If I got any 92 or 88 year, olds, 88 year olds in here, you're not old, all right? I don't, say, I don't think that age is ever attached or how old you are is ever attached to your age. It's just when you stop dreaming, just when you stop having vision in your life. So Zachariah and Elizabeth, they're 92 and 88 years old, right? It says that not only were they, were they older in age, but it also says that they were, they were blameless in the sight of God. So these are the people that we look at and we're like, yo, they're faithful, they're consistent, they follow what God tells them to do, they're loving, they're generous, they do all the right things. Like these people deserve God's blessing and yet in their old age, Zechariah and Elizabeth, the thing that they desired most was a child and they did not have one. You know what this tells me? That you and I can be fully obedient in life and still face opposition. Like you can be the person that follows God the best. You can be the person that is most generous, the most loving, and you can still go through tough times. I love that the message that we're in of this series right now is good news in tough times. Because even though we have tough times, the good news is that Jesus is with us, that he walks with us, that he's made a way for us. And Zachariah in their old age, and Elizabeth in their old age, 
were facing some opposition. They did not have the very thing that they desired the most. And because of that, they had lost some wonder. So what you got to understand here is I set up the story. Zechariah at the time, uh, he was a priest. And at this time, the time when the, when the New Testament starts happening and there's a temple built and Jesus is about to be born, um, theologians will tell you that there's somewhere around 20,000 priests. And why this is important is every year that they would go, there would be three of them that they would choose to go into the temple and have service to God. So two of them would go in and prepare sacrifices, prepare the, the coals for the burning of the incense, but one of them would go in and would actually be the one to lay down all the incense so that the incense would rise. Only three are chosen every year. Zechariah is now 92 years old. I can imagine year after year, and I don't know if you can relate to this, going in with expectation, maybe this is my year. Zechariah shows up, maybe this is my year to serve. And year after year, no, his name's not pulled. Year after year, his name's not pulled. It's like y'all go to get your lottery tickets and year after year, you don't get the right numbers back. You know what I'm saying? Like year after year, he shows up and his name's not drawn. Year after year, his expectation started to lower, started to decrease because he said, maybe that could happen for me. And it did not happen year after year. And I can imagine Zachariah shows up at the age of 92 and they're about ready to cast lots. And Zachariah is standing there where there used to be so much wonder. Maybe this is my year. Now he's 92 and he shows up. And what I imagine Zachariah's response now is he gets there and he's like, I'm not going to get chosen this year. It didn't happen last year, the year before, last decade. And so he kind of sits back and reclines and he looks at his watch. He's like, are we almost done here? Can we just, just wrap this up? And that's actually what happens when we lose wonder. That sometimes we come to church on a Sunday morning and like 60 minutes is too long for us. Like, oh, I got lunch plans after this. Are we almost done? Is, that Pat, is he going to keep talking? Oh my gosh. I'm just going to look at the notes. I'll check them on YouTube later. <laughs> and we, 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 stuff, we stuff our experiences with God. We stuff our minutes that we have with God into a box. And we go, just like Zechariah, are, are we almost done here? Let's just get this over with. And Zechariah is in the spot after 92 years old of age, not being chosen. And that's where he's at. And it hit me that when you've lost wonder, you can become passive about the very things you used to be passionate about. Like, do you remember when you first got saved and you're like, I can't wait to get to church. I can't wait to join a community group. I can't wait to serve. Like, this is the response when God has done so much for us. The Bible says that when we're forgiven much, we love much. And when we first receive that grace, that mercy, that forgiveness, our response is like, what can I do? How can I serve people? How can I love people? But then when you've lost wonder over the years of things, you know, the disappointments and the setbacks, all of a sudden where your response used to be, I can't wait to keep doing it. Now you're passive about those things where you used to be so happy to serve in the parking lot and now you complain when you see the planning center come across. You know what I'm talking about. And the very thing that you used to be passionate about, you become passive with when you have lost your wonder. I actually might say this. I think when there is no wonder in your face surrounded about how good God can be in your life, you can't serve passionately, you can't give cheerfully, and you cannot show up expectantly. Like this is what happens where you used to have so much expectation, where you used to give so cheerfully, where you used to do all these things, where the miracle offering would happen. You'd be like, I can't wait to give because you, do you guys know why we do that? Do you know why we do a miracle offering? Wonder. What, what could God do with this? If we have people willing to say, hey, I will invest and give so that God can continue to save people and I can look at the seats and the rows next to me, what could God do with it? There's wonder. Do you know why we do the theater of lights and we serve people outside of this building? Wonder. We wonder if God can bring prodigals home, if the lonely can find families in here, if the broken can get healed in here. We wonder what God can do with people that are willing to say, I will use my life as a sacrifice. 
but you can't do that if you've lost wonder. So Gabriel shows up. The other priests have now left the temple and it's just Zechariah. And this is his moment where all he has to do is pick up the offerings, lay them on the burning coals and the incense will go up. And you gotta understand what's happening right now is there's hundreds and thousands of people outside the temple that when they see the incense arise, they begin to pray because this is an indication that the prayers of the saints are being heard by God. So people are waiting expectantly outside for this to happen. And you gotta understand what happens. At this, at this point, Isaiah chapter nine, the prophecy that we read in the beginning, Jesus being called the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, everlasting father, the prince of peace. That was prophesied 730 years before this point had happened. That's a long time. But then the last book written and recorded in the Old Testament, it was 400 years from that point of dead silence. Nobody had heard from God. People showed up at the temple. People had had community groups. Like, you name it. And the prophets weren't getting words. God was not speaking to people. It was dead silence. And the moment that God decides to show up for the first time, he sends an angel named Gabriel to meet with a man who has little wonder and little faith left in the temple. Like, this was the breaking of 400 years of silence. You know, that tells me that God will always meet you in your disappointments to remind you of your destiny. Like God will meet you today if you've walked in with little wonder to remind you he still has good things for you. If you've walked in here today just checking a box off, fulfilling your obligation, he showed up today to remind you he loves you. He's got a good plan for you. He has not left you. He hears your prayers. He's working on your behalf. And somebody needs to be reminded today that today's a really good day for wonder to wake up. Today's a really good day for your wonder in God and how great he is to wake up today. God shows up to Zechariah with little wonder and little faith left. And he says this to Zechariah. Gabriel speaks to him and he says, your prayer has been heard. You will have a son. And you gotta understand, like when this happens, like I told you, 92 years old, wife, 88 years old. I always tell my in-laws, I'm like, yo, when we be having kids, like my in-laws, they're older. I'm like, you can't be having kids because I'm not watching your kids. You gotta watch my kids. We all can agree, 92 and 88, a little bit past your years of having babies at this point, okay? And Gabriel shows up at the point where they're like, nah, Zachariah's like, maybe, you know, maybe 10 years ago. Realistically, he's like, maybe, maybe 30 years ago, maybe 40 years ago, I could have had a baby. But God, you're a little late on that one. You should have showed up and did something else. So why don't we try to orchestrate you doing something else? And he says, your prayer has been heard. You will have a son. And Zechariah, I love what it says. He, he speaks to the angel Gabriel. And he says, how can I be sure of this? Give me, a, the other translations say, give me a sign. I need to be sure. And you know what he's communicating when he says that? And you've probably said these words yourself at some point in life. Zechariah's response to Gabriel when he says, you're going to have a child, his response is, I'll believe it when I see it. And faith does not tell us to live this way because sometimes God gives you promises that you will not see, but you have to believe before you see it. And I'm reminded of the words of Jesus in Matthew chapter 18, talking about the Christmas season where Jesus says in Matthew 18, 13, he says, you must first become like a little child. That's what wakes up your wonder. He said, you have to turn and believe like a little child. Have you ever had little kids around during Christmas? And they ask you, I remember my niece and my nephew when they were younger, they say, tell me a story, Uncle Sam. And I would tell them these stories. And it would be the wildest stories. They'd make zero sense. <laughs> I was probably a lunatic for even telling these stories. I'm like, I don't even know what I'm saying. And they were following the whole time. They're like, uh-huh, and what happens next? And what happens next? Oh gosh, okay, and then the next day, Sam, can you tell us another story? And this is what Jesus is talking about. He wants us to hang on every word he's speaking. Where even when he tells you something, there's gonna be promises. Listen to me, there's gonna be promises that God tells you. There's gonna be words that he gives you. And you're gonna go, no way. How that go? You're gonna be like, Zachariah, how that gonna happen? 
and you must turn and become like a little child. Because when we have faith to wait on God like that, Jesus says faith is what honors him. In fact, he says it's impossible without faith to honor him. And he said, if you have the faith of a little child, that is what can wake up your wonder. And what that tells me is instead of you saying, I'll believe it when I see it, it's actually the opposite. When you have the faith of a little child, when you have wonder in your life, your new statement, the new way you live is I believe it. I just haven't seen it yet. I don't know in here today who's got a promise from God. I don't know what thing you're believing for, what thing you've been waiting for, but what the way God wants you to wait on him like a little child is saying, I believe it. I just haven't seen it yet. Come on, I don't know who needs to hear that today, but somebody God has said, I'm gonna send you the provision because your bank account ain't where you want it to be. And he said, it's coming, but you just haven't seen it yet. You can still believe. God told you, I will restore your marriage. You can believe it even if you haven't seen it yet. Most of faith is built around this concept of waiting on God to do it. I don't know if, if I've ever seen this in the Bible because I know that I haven't where it says do more and you'll get more from God. So let me ask you, why do we live that way? Why do we live like the, our accumulated prayers will make God do more? This is where a lot of times people fall into a religious trap thinking if I do more, it moves God. But I've come to tell you that the good news of Jesus is the exact opposite of that. It's wait on his promise, stay faithful where you are, and he will do what he said he's going to do. It is not on you. God's favor, God's love, God's plan is not predicated on what you do. He is good where he is bigger than waiting for you to do it. But I want to ask you today, have you lost the faith just long enough to wonder and wait on God? Because honestly, what I've learned about wonder is that you can show up to church and raise your hands and raise your hands and worship, but have no wonder in your heart. I want to ask you, when did you start praying, but having no faith for it? When did you start showing up to community group where you used to be so real, but now you stay on the surface because you don't want people to really know what's happening on the inside. When did you start reading your Bible, but just to check a box off? When is the last time that you raised your hand and said, God, I want to meet with you like I never met with you before. I think that the result of people living in wonder are people that show up and they have awe in their life. When's the last time you were in awe of what God did for you? Where you couldn't wait to tell people what God was doing in your life. You know, I like to say that I think actually people that don't have wonder, they just misappropriate where they put their wonder. Because we have wonder for a lot of things, but you wonder why stress and anxiety grows when your bills do or when things don't look good. That's still wonder, but it's just wonder misappropriated. And I think that if we would put our, our wonder back on God, we would see just how good and how great and powerful he is. I think that today is a great day for your wonder to wake up, but I wanna ask you to actually contemplate this thought. When did you start losing your wonder? Reading out of uh, Luke chapter one, I got three things that are really, really simple. This is probably one of the most simple messages I can preach, but I think that we needed something practical today um, about how to wake your wonder back up. So the first thing I think you need to do if you need to wake your wonder back up today is you need to stay silent. Many people are like, yeah, what does that mean? Like, I'm a talker, like this is what I do, but how many times do we show up and, and, and the first thing we do is we just start rambling off God, like, all right, here's the five things I need, God, blah, 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 I'll see you tomorrow, okay, same time tomorrow? And we talk a lot, we do a lot, but there's actually this concept that I'm gonna read a scripture to, to you about how staying silent will actually benefit your life. But in verse 22, it says this, when Zechariah came out of the temple, he could not speak to the people who were there and they realized that he had seen a vision. You know, first of all, I'd like to say, I think Zechariah um, learned that God was mighty because he did something for Zechariah that he probably needed to do for a lot of us. He shut his mouth. <laughs> 
he shut his mouth. Like, can you guys imagine how much better our relationships could be if we just kept our mouth closed sometimes? Can you imagine how much more people would be eager to come to church and learn about God if we just kept our mouth closed? And because Zachariah's words do not line up with the words that God said, God, comes, God sends Gabriel down and silences his mouth. But I love what it says, and I need you to hear this. It says this in verse 20, talking to Zechariah, Gabriel said, and now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words. But did you hear that? Listen to what it says. Now you will be silent and not able to speak until the day this happens. Just because God shut Zechariah's mouth did not mean he was gonna stop doing what he promised. Like God actually silences Zechariah and he wants him to learn a lesson that a lot of us need to learn. Uh, we actually practice this at staff here at Project Church. It's the thing called, and you probably need to write this down and practice it yourself, silent prayer. Silent prayer. Because a lot of us think that prayer is coming and making our petitions made known to God. We say everything that we need and we say a lot of words, but we make very little room for hearing back from God, don't we? And silent prayer is this thing where you turn on worship, instrumental, whatever you want it to be, sit in silence, and you just listen to what God's saying. You don't say a thing. It's awkward at first. It takes some learning. But you just sit there. And you know what you're always going to find? That even if you're not speaking, God still is. And silent prayer is a really powerful thing because it reminds you that your prayer life and your faith is not dependent on your devotion. It's dependent on his goodness. And he will still speak to you and he will still meet you. And Zechariah's mouth at this point in scripture is closed and yet God still comes and speaks to him. I want to say this, um, the prophecy of Isaiah chapter nine. I think this is the result of somebody who is silent in prayer. If you actually read through Isaiah chapter nine, verse six, when, he, when they talk about the attributes of God and the name that they gave him, if you go back and read it, it's actually said like Isaiah prophesies it like it was a done deal. Isaiah said he's gonna be a wonderful counselor, prince of peace, everlasting father, mighty God. He said all these things. He said the government will be on his shoulders. And he said all of it like it was an accomplished fact. But remember earlier I told you it was 730 years before that prophecy ever came to fruition. But he spoke to it like it was a done deal. And I think for people that are super dependent on just sitting and being with God, hearing his words, the result of that happening is God will give us words where we'll begin to say, this is gonna happen, it just hasn't happened yet. And people are gonna think you're crazy. He's gonna show up and you're like, God's gonna send the money for this business. I just don't have it yet, but he said it's coming. Uh, God's gonna restore my marriage. Even though we're struggling, we're not communicating well right now, he said it's gonna be better and it's gonna happen. This is what happens for people that sit in silence. God speaks to you and you know, I know I don't see it yet, but I know that it's coming. There is a confidence found in stillness with God that if you would be willing to say, hey, it's not on me. This is on God. If God said it, he's the one that has to fulfill it. But too often, we think the words and the promises that God gives us, we have to make happen. Friend, we're not strong enough. And this is why in Matthew 18, Jesus says, you must be like a little child and believe that I'll do what I said I'll do. The second thing is, is this. First one is stay silent. The second one, stay long in his presence. Stay long. Verse 21 in the keys, you can come back up. Verse 21 says this. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah and wondering why he stayed so long in the temple. I gave you the picture earlier and I let you know what's happening is now the two priests that had went in with Zachariah had now left. They're waiting outside with crowds of people to see the incense rise so that they know that God is now hearing our prayers. And all of a sudden, they're all checking their clocks like, yo, he's only supposed to be in there for 10 minutes. Now it's been a half hour. Like, what's going on? And they knew that there was a routine and a schedule to keep, but yet Zachariah stayed longer than most people had anticipated. And as I was reading that, it kind of hit me. Like Zachariah 
got met by God. And he said, I can't rush out of this moment. I don't know if you've ever had a spot in your life where you've met with God, where you're like, I've, I've never known that he was more real than he is in this moment right now, and then rushed out of it. Where you were in a moment of prayer, you're in a moment of reading scripture, whatever it was in your life, maybe God shows up in a grocery store, in a gas station, and you're like, God is here right now. But a lot of times we're like, oh, my schedule, I got this appointment to be at, I got this to go to. And that's where Zachariah was at. He knew he needed to be back outside. The people knew he needed to be back outside. And yet God shows up in a moment and his response is, I can't leave, God is here right now. Uh, how could I escape this moment? This could change everything in my life. He knew that there was a promise he was holding on to, but what was greater than the promise was the one that was standing right in front of him. God is with me in this moment. I wanna ask you today, if you wanna wake up with a wonder in your life, I'm gonna ask you, when is the last time you allowed God to interrupt your schedule? When's the last time that your schedule was God, whatever you want me to do today, wherever you want me to go, whoever you want me to minister to, whoever you need me to bless today, everything that I have, it's for you. But the problem is sometimes when we've lost wonder in our life, when we've lost this grip that our wonder is ultimately tied to how great God is, that we box our life into and we say, God, you can have 30 minutes here. You can have Sunday morning for 60 minutes, but, but I got schedules to keep. I got money to make. I got people to meet with. I wanna ask you, when is the last time you allowed God to interrupt your normally scheduled routines and programs? Because what I've learned about this, and it's, it's a principle you can apply in your life, not just in your faith, that every time my wife calls me, every time a friend calls me and they're in need and I have to change my schedule around helping them, do you know what happens? Intimacy always grows. Relationship always grows. And when we say, I'm gonna stay long in God's presence, I'm not gonna rush through this, I'm not trying to get out of it, I don't wanna just give him a little bit, I wanna give him everything. What happens is your intimacy with God will grow and what happens when that grows is you learn who he really is. Coaching a basketball team right now and I always, I always tell them this thing, you, know, you, can, you can really learn the character of somebody when they're going through some hard storms in life, can't you? But it's the same with God. That as you're going through some of the difficult times, some of the great times, whatever season that you're in right now, you can really right now learn the character of Jesus if you're willing to stay long. And if you do, you'll learn that he's patient. You'll learn that he's kind. You'll learn that he's faithful. What you need, you will find that only he has for you. I've gotta ask you are, you, are you rushing through? Are you saying, God, you can have my schedules and my routines? I remember a few years ago as I got here, and I'm getting ready to close here, but a few years ago I came to Project and said, hey, would you be the youth pastor here? I had this great plan. It was like, even though it was like all of our, like our five-year plan, like our financial portfolio, like this is what I'm gonna do in ministry, God. It's gonna be great. Like God was gonna be impressed with what I was gonna do. And so this is what I'm gonna do. And I showed up and I remember the first day I came here, I left, it was, it was probably later in the night, seven, eight o'clock at night. God spoke with me. He said, I actually, I think your plans are cute. Now listen, hear me. Proverbs 16, nine tells us that man plans their way, but the Lord directs their steps. Like, I think we all need to be great planners. I think we all need to think ahead, but you gotta understand that your schedule and your plans and your goals, they fall flat on their face in the presence of God because he has a better plan and a better way and a better direction and a better vision for your life. And so I remember I was driving down the road and he said, this is what I want you to do. And I scrapped everything. I called five local high schools, which is what I felt like he was telling me to do. And I left them all voicemails. And one day one of them calls back and one of the ladies says, I was praying that somebody like you would call us and come help out on our campus because we need somebody like you. I said, what did you just say? She said, I was praying for you. And I said, the whole time, I was praying that there was doors that were gonna be open. She was praying that there was gonna be somebody to walk through those doors. And I don't know who needs to hear this today, but God is way ahead of your schedule. 
He's way ahead of your plans. And what you have planned and what you have scheduled, it's cute and it's great, but God has something better. But will you be willing to wait on Him? Will you be willing to sit there and say, God, I want what you want. I know it's better. I don't know who needs to hear that today, but His plans are better. His ways are better, but you have to be willing to say, God, I'll sit here and wait until you speak. Man, I'm afraid of the day my faith gets to a point where I rush through and I don't wait for God to speak. For those of you in here, like, I wanna grow in my faith. Let me give you a really practical thing to do. Don't leave your moments with God until you hear his voice. Don't stop reading scripture until you hear his voice. Because what you'll always find is that you will always hear from him. He still has good things for you. You just gotta be willing to sit there and wait on him. So you gotta make room for God in your life. And the last thing, stay long, stay silent. My favorite one, you need to set a reminder in your life. You're like, what do you mean, Pastor Sam? Let me tell you. Look what it says in verse 63 and a little setup for what's happening here. We, we skip along. What's happening now is Elizabeth has now given birth to John the Baptist. The Bible says that there was great joy for everybody who saw what God did for her. And I love that what the scriptures were starting to set up was that they, became, they came and asked Elizabeth, we're gonna, what do you want to name him? And she says, we're going to name him John. And like, no, 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 that's not customary right now. Like what's customary in our, is in our traditions, in our culture, is that you name him after his father. So his name should be Zachariah. And they think, yeah, this woman's out of pocket. She's a little crazy. We're not gonna name him something like that. So they go to Zachariah, who newsflash, he still can't talk. God has still shut his mouth. You know, that's nine months of marriage. The wife is probably like, this is awesome. <laughs> nine months of marriage, he didn't say a word. And um, shows up. And he still can't, can't talk. And they say, what do you want to name the child? And he asks for a writing tablet. And on the writing tablet, this is what it says in verse 63. He asked for a writing tablet. And to everyone's astonishment, he wrote, his name is John. And it said that while this doesn't seem crazy to us, in culture at the time, this was unheard of. Like you always named your son after the father. And the fact that he's saying, no, his, he's different than I am. He's set apart, he's consecrated. God has a plan for his life that's different than from my life. We gotta name him John. You've gotta understand that Zachariah was setting a reminder in his life that when he was quiet, when he was in the presence of God, God said, you're gonna name that child John. And the first time Zachariah has a chance to say it, he said, his name is John. He was setting a reminder. It brought me back to the scripture um, in 1 Samuel about the prophet Samuel who picked up a stone and he looked back with all the crowds that were following him who they're like, we don't know how we're gonna get to where God's calling us. We don't know how God's gonna fulfill it. We're in the middle of a situation right now that does not look good. He picks up a stone and he, looking at everybody in the crowd, he said, you see the stone? They're all like, yeah, yeah, we see the stone. He's, I'm gonna set this down right here. And this is a reminder that every time we see the stone, we look back and it's a reminder, God has been faithful before, God has been kind before, God has showed up before, He's provided before. Come on, somebody, you know what God's done for you. He was faithful before, He loved you before, He provided for your family, He restored your marriage, He saved your soul. That's what this rock is for, it's to remind you everything that God has done. But they say, well, what about a head, Samuel? And he said, that's what it's for. That when you look at the stone, not only are you reminded of what God's done, but you look forward to the future saying that if God was faithful in the past, he will be faithful in the future. I'm gonna look at this rock as a reminder for my soul that the best isn't behind me. The Bible says that in Romans that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that's what the reminder was for. And I remember this last year, if you don't know much about my story, me and my wife had our firstborn son. His name was Maverick. He was a legend. And so many did not get to meet this legend because he was born in August on August 6th excuse me, August 10th last year. And for two months, he struggled. He was born sick. He had a lot going on. The doctors got to a point where they say, Sam, 
we can no longer help you with your son. I remember in that moment praying to God, I said, God, if your plan on earth is not to heal my son, then give me more time with him. And for two months, that's what God did to the day. And he graduated his time on earth and went to be with Jesus on, on excuse me, October 10th, 2021. Can I be honest with you? I lost wonder. I said, God, I prayed for this. I believed for this. And it didn't happen the way that I believed it was going to. But I set a reminder because God said, here's the word that I have for you and your wife, Carly, January 1st, 2021, that there would be a double blessing for your life like that of Job. He said, your word is more than before. And I said, God, there's no way. All the doctors are saying we shouldn't have kids. I don't know if I ever wanna be in a position like this. I don't know if I wanna do this again. But the, rem the reminder was the word more than before. I said, all right, I'm gonna set a reminder in my life. So I go to my notes app and I write the words more than before and I pin it on my notes. So every time I go to my cell phone, I see the words more than before. Every time I go to my notes app, I see the words more than before. I started writing a book last year called More Than Before so that every time I was discouraged, every time I was in a battle, every time I looked forward and said, God, I don't know how you're gonna do it. He said, look at the reminder I gave you. And somebody today, you need to write down the things that God is speaking in private because I'm telling you, he makes good on every promise. And I come to tell you that because this week, my wife is 19 weeks pregnant with twin boys. He's faithful on his promise. He will do for you what he promised to do. And you just need to set a reminder today. Friend, listen to me. I didn't wanna share this story to say, look what God has done for me, but I believe that the story of Zachariah and John say that, that they said that when Zachariah and John, everybody saw what God did for them, they had great joy believing, could God do it for me? Friend, I wanna tell you that if you wake up wonder today by just simply being with Jesus, he'll give you a word, he'll give you a promise. He'll tell you to set a reminder in your life where when it doesn't look good, when it doesn't look promising, you can look back on that and it is a reminder that God will be faithful. You can stand to your feet, I'm gonna pray for us. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to the Project Church Podcast. We pray and hope that this message encouraged you, built you up and gave you life. We want to ask that you would invest right now in what God is doing here in downtown Sacramento. We've just recently moved in to our all-new building in the waterfront, Old Sacramento District. We want to ask you, if you'd like to give, you can go to projectchurch.com forward slash give to invest. Let's see all that God can do through us.